0: What's up, Daw Nation? My is Wyatt Troy, and I want to welcome you to episode 43 of Behind the Daw, where we interview music producers, artists, music industry experts, people of that nature on an emotional, philosophical, and artistic basis. This is a companion podcast to our YouTube series, In the Daw, where we invite music producers to come and dissect their songs in real time. We've had people like Modestep, Fox Stevenson, AU5, Said the Sky, Quix, Say My Name, Tynan, Trivecta, and a whole bunch of other people. So if you're interested in that, make sure to go to Multiplier's YouTube channel and check that out. If you'd rather listen to those episodes instead of watching them, those are the 0.5 episodes on this podcast. But... Let's talk about the links down in the description before we get into our guest speaker this week. So the first link down in the description is for the Patreon. If you want to make sure that we can keep bringing you these interviews for free forever, please check out the Patreon. It starts at a dollar a month. And if you want to be a part of the interviews, go ahead and check out the $5 a month tier. It allows you access to the Discord community where we do all the live streams with the people that we bring on the show. So please go ahead and check that out. The second link in the description is for suggestions. If you want to suggest someone to come on the show, please click that link. The third link is for private lessons. If you want private lessons in electronic music production or in social media marketing, go ahead and check out that link. The fourth link is for a free consultation. If you want to enter to win a 20-minute free consultation that we do every week, go ahead and click on that link. And then finally, the last link down there is for the Christina Soto sample pack that she just released last September. It's an amazing sample pack. We're going to be talking about that more in the episode. So please go ahead and check that out. All right. So this week, as I mentioned, we are going to be interviewing Christina Soto. Who is Christina Soto? She is a singer, songwriter, and live performer who has worked with EDM heavyweights like AU5, Said the Sky, Elenium, Seven Lions, Tritonal, Clozy, Symbionic, Amity, and a bunch of others. I mean, she's amazing. She's done so many things. She is heavily associated with the Gravitas Create and Gravitas Recordings crew. Um, if you don't know who they are, go ahead and check out, I believe, It's episode 30, which I did with the CEO or the founder of Gravitas. His name is Jesse Breda. It's absolutely amazing. It's a great record label. It's a great movement that helps producers learn, obviously, how to produce and to progress in their musical journey. Nonetheless, coming back to Christina, this woman has a lot going on. And as we get into this interview, you're going to find that out for yourself. So here's a couple of things that you are going to learn in this episode. But again, there's going to be a bunch more that I'm not going to mention right now, the little nuggets of glory, so to say, that you have to go figure out. So really quick, the first thing that you're going to learn is even though music is one of the greatest things in life, if you don't have loved ones, the music is going to mean nothing. All right, we're going to go deeper into that. That's the first thing you're going to learn. The second thing you're going to learn, knowing the best practices to have when working with a vocalist, the do's and the don'ts. The common courtesies, the slaps in the face, so on and so forth. So, you know, she's had a lot of experiences, a lot of good experiences, a lot of bad experiences. So, she's going to bring them to the table and say, hey, do this, don't do that, so on and so forth. And the third thing that we're going to be talking about is we are going to dissect the lyrics of some of her biggest songs and find out where the inspiration came from for those songs. Make sure to stay tuned for all that. If you like this episode, please like, comment, subscribe, repost, follow on the particular platforms that you're listening on, like iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Deezer, so on and so forth. And then finally, after. you listen to this episode, make sure to check out the bonus social media marketing consultation that daddy and I did for Christina. She had to leave. She wasn't able to be a part of that consultation, but it was for her. So make sure to check that out. It's going to be coming out the Monday after this interview. So go ahead, check that out. But with all that out of the way, Donation, I want to introduce you to Christina Soto. Welcome you to this episode of Behind the Dawn. By the way, you're going to hear my child cooing and gooing, which is amazing. Do they goo? Is that? Coo? Cooing. Cooing. <laughs> <Not> goo. <laughs> they
1: sometimes goo. I don't know. You're
0: going to hear them ooing and cooing, but. I want to welcome Christina Soto onto the show. Christina, say what's up to Dawn Nation and tell us something extremely embarrassing about yourself.
1: What's up, Dawn Nation? Thanks for having me. Christina Soto here. And I've got a few embarrassing stories. I think the first one I'm going to share is when I was in South Korea doing a show, and this is probably like every performer's worst nightmare one of the many things that can go wrong we're in electronic music everyone's pumped up you're kind of dancing around and i didn't have a wardrobe malfunction or anything but i did technically fall off of the stage what? <laughs> uh. It was on the exit. So it was like my little feature of like 30 minutes during the middle of a set was over and I was exiting and I was like, yeah, what's up? Thank you. Love you soul. Cool. And then I like fell off the back (laughs) of the (laughs) stage.
0: How far did you fall?
1: Just to the floor. It was like I tripped over these, you know, tens of millions of cords that are back there, <laughs> duct taped to the floor, and so I think I like fell back into the green room or something. <laughs> what an exit! <laughs> I'm glad it wasn't off the front. It was at least just off the back. That was probably one of the more embarrassing moments.
0: Did you at least go back on stage and let everyone know that you're okay? Or to this day, do they do
2: they still think that you? Might
1: not be okay? <laughs> I'm still back there. Um, no, they, thought, I they
2: that- thought you were dead until you released a new song. <laughs>
1: I'm pretty sure that I may have like popped back up and done like some stuff.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was handsomely embarrassing, Christina. I'm very proud of you for that.
1: I'm glad I <laughs> stepped it up.
0: I also forgot to mention his voice kind of uh, creeped in without me mentioning him. But uh, but Brendan Nilsson's here. Brendan, who also goes by Daddy. He's an amazing artist. Daddy, how you doing today, man?
2: Oh, I'm doing just grand.
0: Daddy has the best branding in the world. If anyone wants to go see something that's just like absolutely wholesome and electronic and beautiful, please go check out Daddy. But, Christina, I got some very funny questions for you that's going to help you get into the deep mindset. Is that okay?
1: Yeah, let's go for it.
0: All right. First off, prerequisite to this question, have you watched Infinity War, the Avengers Infinity War? I have. Okay, perfect. All right, so let me ask you this. So this is deep. This is deep. This one isn't even funny. It's just deep. Okay, here we go. So Thanos, you know when he when he when he snaps his hand and wipes out half half the universe, right? Uh huh. But why didn't any plants or trees disappear as well? Because those are living things as well. What the heck, Christina?
1: Maybe they disappeared from places that you couldn't see in the movie. There are so many trees that are not in view of where the people were. So we don't know.
0: Maybe they did. Oh, I see what you're saying. Half of them still could have been destroyed, but you just couldn't see right where we were. Like all the ones were just... Yeah, maybe they were like in the Amazon,
1: which is super sad. I, I had this whole conversation the other day about like, how far do soul... Like if we have souls, like who else has souls? Like what else has souls? Do trees have souls? And I kind of think that they do. I mean, it's, it's a good question. With the Infinity War, I do believe that half of all living things probably just disappeared, and we just didn't see them.
0: Uh, going off that, I mean, just think about it. Because like he did that to preserve the universe, right? He did that so you wouldn't run out of
1: resources. So, yeah, maybe resources. he didn't get rid of them. So yeah. and he was like just the people. So that would mean
0: so that would mean that still fifty percent of everything died. So that means fifty percent of all the bees died, fifty percent of all the bugs died, fifty percent of all all the plants. So in essence. It kind of evened out, right? Because it got rid of a bunch of resources. The resources to people ratio went down. You know what I'm saying?
1: Did he, in fact, get rid of all, light, like all, all life forms? Or was it just... Because I feel like the people were really the problem.
0: Maybe. What do you think, Brendan? You're an Avengers specialist.
2: Dude, here's what I'm going to say, okay? I think Thanos knows what he's doing, man. I think he's got a good plan. And so whatever he did, I'm sure it worked. And I'm 100% behind him.
0: Thanos did nothing wrong. <laughs>
2: hashtag thanos did nothing wrong
0: do you know what we're talking about have you ever seen that subreddit christina uh-uh,
1: I, okay. I don't i'm not a reddit person okay
0: there's an entire like subreddit for thanos did nothing wrong and like everyone's adamant about what he did can i can i
2: just say i'm on part of the snap like i got snapped
0: 50 percent of the members in the subreddit got snapped and got got like, banned got banned. Permanently
2: banned from the from the subreddit at,
1: wow at
2: a, there was like there was like four hundred thousand people or something like that
1: it's like no, a whole look. counterculture that I know nothing about. Right?
2: Yeah. <laughs> this is dark. dark. I wouldn't go there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next deep
0: question. All right. Are belly buttons just old mouths? Are they just, you know, our old mouths? <sighs> Have you heard this before? He's, that sigh sounded like this is like, you've heard this so many times. You're like, dang it.
1: Well, I mean, I grew a baby. And so I know that technically it is basically just a mouth A toothless, non-chewing mouth. I don't know. It's more than a mouth. It's more than a mouth. It's more than just like ingestion of nutrients. It's fluids. It's everything else. And doesn't talk back. It's it's more than a mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Let's not dumb it down to just a mouth.
0: You're right. You're right. That was my bad. I shouldn't dumb it down.
1: (laughs) It's the miracle of life, Wyatt.
0: You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. (laughs) All right. I'll redeem myself with this next question. Oh, my wife's here. Hold on. I'm going to give up my child. There you go. Thanks, guy. Love you. Are clouds... Just the ghosts of water that was burned to death.
1: Well, brushing all science aside, (laughs) yes.
2: (laughs) Like all science? Like 100% of it?
1: Pretty much all science.
2: (laughs) I don't know, Christina. I've uh, I've consulted (laughs) with NASA on this one and I'm gonna I'm gonna take shape
1: when you're looking at them out of airplanes, because I do that like every week. And it never gets old. They do have their own shapes and fluffiness and colors and stuff like that. So I do believe they're all unique, but fortunately I just don't know if water has ghosts. But I like the way it sounds, it's poetic. It
0: is very poetic. I give you full permission to use that in a song. Full permission. Oh,
1: totally. Next big banger is going to be like, ghost, water ghosts, water <laughs> ghosts, water ghosts. Yeah.
0: This is, we're off to such a good start. So how, how are you feeling? You feel like you're in a deep mindset now?
1: I'm very, very, yes. I'm ready for anything.
0: All right. That sounds great. Well, since we got those absolutely essential questions out of the way, Brendan, Daddy. Can you give us the first question, man? The first real question.
2: Absolutely. I have heard your name for years across the production community, across the electronic music production community. A lot of producers are drawn to you. You know, if you ask, like, "Hey, who are your list of like top collaborators that you'd like to to work with?" I often hear Christina Soto. Totally. There's a lot of good voices out there. There's a lot of good vocalists. Why do you think that you? Um, and I want to hear your your thoughts. I have my thoughts. Why? Why do you think that you're on the top of the list for a lot of those people? What wh- What makes you unique and, and different? And why do you think people want to work with you?
1: Well, I don't. I didn't know that I was sought after or missioned oh, in that totally. way. So first totally. of all, oh, you for are. That. Oh my oh,
0: gosh! Yeah. Like, if there's anyone that can tell you that this is true, it is us. We talk to producers all day, every day. So yes, this is true.
1: Oh, that's so nice. That makes my day. I don't know. That's that's interesting. I mean, I guess maybe. I, I'm not your typical top line vocalist. And this is something that I, I struggle with because I always, you know, I want people to listen to my music, but I also don't write music to be listened to. Sometimes I try on purpose in a way to kind of go outside the the cookie cutter format, whether that's in t- in subject matter or in lyrics or whatever. Sometimes also it's just melodically. I'm I'm a little bit more jazz-oriented sometimes, and so I maybe pick notes that others wouldn't. My voice is very malleable, so I can kind of do a lot of things with it. I don't know, those are just things I've observed about my voice and my, my habits as a songwriter, but I don't know that those make you any more sought after in the producer community. What do you, you think?
2: Know, we're, we're really good friends with Amity. He was yeah. one that, he actually had told us he, he really wanted to work with you even before he did. And so, yeah, we've heard, we've heard this a lot, but something that he he had talked about, and as well as, not, we're not joking, we have heard a lot of people talk about with you. You almost have this type of like fantasy voice. I don't know if, that, if that's a-
0: That's perfect.
2: You kind of have like this fantasy voice. It's very like otherworldly and ethereal, and it's different than what you'd hear. It's kind of got a different type of-
1: Timbre or tone? Yeah, yeah. It, well, it's not
2: even that. It's just the content you sing about and the way you sing it and the melodies you choose are just very like out of the box they're not really what you typically hear every day and i think that makes a very unique top line on top of some of electronic music
0: you know like in a, a bunch of seven lions uh, cover art or in like Elenium's cover art where there's that there's usually a girl and it's very f- fantastical is that what is the word like very fantasy- Fantastical. fantastical thank you <laughs> If you look at any of those cover arts and you see that usually it's it's a girl and it usually looks like the same girl throughout every single cover art, that's you. Like if someone could just pluck that girl out, that is you 110%. Do you disagree or do you agree? Oh,
1: I, I mean, I can't, I can't agree. I appreciate it. And I have to say that like when I started... When I became interested in electronic music, I, I was very drawn to those types of vocals in trance music and and in general, like, I don't know if you know this, but like I, I did gospel choir, I've done jazz ensembles, I did musical theater. And so when I want my voice to sound a certain way, I can make it do things. <laughs> and, so, and so when you hear my speaking voice, it sounds nothing like it. If I wanted to have a certain quality about it, I remember when I was talking to Elenium and said this guy. And I think it was said this guy who mentioned uh, that it's like your voice just sounds really pure and young. And I was like, okay. And so I think that that's a sought after quality in a voice in a way that doesn't sound artificial. That's great to hear that what I'm doing is working because I don't know how to be any other way.
0: Where have you been this last year? Because it seems like 2015, 16, and 17, we just saw you nonstop, but it feels like in 18. We didn't see see too much of you. What was going on?
1: Yeah. I was raising a tiny human, an infant. And I don't know if everybody knows this, but I I work for Salesforce, um, which is uh, you know like a hundred billion dollar market cap company. Like it's a huge company. It's a it's a very crazy, stressful, exciting, and innovative place to be. But like that is my bread and butter, so that music can stay inspired. And so when I was pregnant and I was going to have my daughter, I ba- basically backfilled like all the way through 2017. I recorded like a crazy person in 2016. And then I had releases lined up for all of 2017. So it was ready to go. When 2018 hit, I was like, oh, snap. I've been just like raising this daughter and like haven't spent as much time in the studio or just with a full brain, to be honest, because mm-hmm. you know how it is the first um, several months. Oh. And-, <laughs> and so 2018 was kind of getting you know, kind of back in the saddle. But I also released a sample pack, which had six basically full concept songs on it broken down into like, I don't know, 500 samples or something like that. While I didn't do as many, you know, I think I only had like a Keeper Acoustic release and then the Wander On song with with Clozy. So I didn't do major singles or, you know, kind of collaboration releases. But I did do a huge sample pack that released in, I want to say, September. And so I worked on that pretty much from March until September. That's amazing.
0: Where,
2: where can people get that? That sounds amazing.
1: So it's on Black Octopus right now. It's coming out on Splice, I believe, in the next few weeks.
2: Ooh. I have like 1,300 tokens on Splice that I haven't used. And so I'm going to download that whole pack. Literally the whole thing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll have to tell me if you do, I have my favorites from the pack that I think are stronger than others. But like what I think that's so great about the pack is that so I also have a bunch of acoustic guitar samples in there that my brother did. Oh, that's another thing. So I've also this year I've been working on an acoustic song with my brother that we're going to release as a duet. So, it's been a lot of like writing and studio time and sample pack editing and like really just getting back into like what is my new normal as a working mom who is also a songwriter.
2: We're all in that same wavelength.
0: I was just gonna say that. (laughs) Me and Brendan, we were eating pizza the other day and I told them this. I said, you know what, dude? I I can honestly say right now that my family, my wife and my kids are the ones that slow me down the most in my career, but they are the ones that I am totally okay with with slowing me down in my career. Do you feel the same?
1: Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like life inspires art, and if I'm not if I'm not giving my time and my life to my family and there's people in your life that really matter, then you don't really have a lot to write about at the end of the day. And a lot of times music is is not it's it's self fulfilling in that I I get I get something out of writing a song, but sometimes it's kind of externally validating too. You know when people hear it and then you hear about it and it's like oh the hype whatever, but like that does not last. I don't care who you are that hype is like an addiction that you kind of have to feed and it can be it can be destructive if you kind of let it take over and so for me balance is really critical and you know being in tune with my family in tune with my own health all of those things are equally as important as maintaining my art because if one kind of goes out of whack i feel it everywhere
2: there's this uh, line in this 21 pilot song that came out recently that was basically just like Like go up to a grandparent or someone who's lived their life and ask them how they were able to make it through life basically. And I just thought that was like a really interesting perspective. Like if you talk to any person who is in the their sixties or seventies, most of the time they're going to look back and say that the most important thing in their life was family. Um, It's not going to be whatever they did career wise, even if they accomplished really good things, they're rich, you know, they're famous, whatever. Most of the time it's going to be their relationship with their families. And so I just, we've talked about this concept before on in the dawn behind the dawn, but basically it's just like, if I asked you to name me three to five Roman gladiators, you know, can you do it, Christina?
1: Was Hercules one?
2: <laughs> <laughs> He's a myth, so that's a no. <laughs> what about what about? Uh, do you remember those Aztec, those Aztecs that would play the that game with their head and they'd hit the ball into the hoop? Remember how that was like the most famous sport for the Aztecs? You ever heard of that? <laughs> can you can you name me three of those guys' names? Uh,
1: those absolutely not. But, and
2: so it's like yeah. those those guys like at the time they were like the biggest stars of their era and, yeah. and they were at the top of the world and right now it like they mean nothing at the end of the day like their 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 legacy is kind of ended and so what i'm trying yeah. to say with this is is it's like art is so important because you know we do remember that that existed and things but at the end of the day like the things that matter is the way like their life their family their legacy a, a one day what we do is going to be like that and it's not going to matter quite as much
1: it doesn't matter how big you get right um you look at mental health in in the producer artist performer space and a lot of people struggle with anxiety and depression and other issues that, uh, they need support and they need a support network. And if that's not your friends or your manager, it should be your family, hopefully, but you know, without those, without those people, um, whether they're, like I said, any of those groups, um, you're just kind of out on this Island. Um, and, and it's really hard to stay grounded and, um, and mentally clear. And so it's sad, but you know, If you lose sight of that and and kind of get off balance, I think that, yeah, like you can can easily prioritize the wrong thing that's not going to really fulfill you when all of the shininess fades away. And then, you know, at the end of the day, like if you if you make personal music and you put your heart into it and and it does become something that, you know, kind of lives on without you, I think that that's probably been the most fulfilling for me out of all of this is that at the end of this life, I have a catalog. Hopefully, you know, I'm at something like 70 songs in my discography at this point, which is just stupid. Like there, I don't know how many more songs I have left in my brain. So let's just say at the end of my life, I've written a hundred songs. If any of those touch anyone after I'm gone like that, that's amazing. And so like, for me, it's of like, I need, I need the balance. I need the people that I love while I'm here to make good music that will hopefully keep giving people joy after I'm gone.
0: Swinging back around to when you were talking about uh, how a lot of artists, a lot of producers, a lot of people in our space do struggle with, with the anxiety thing. Has there been a time in your career where that has almost overtaken you?
1: Right after I had my baby. I'm sure. like... I, was,
0: I, I assumed postpartum is a real thing.
1: It is legit. Actually, this whole song, Wander On, um, is the first song that I wrote after I had my daughter. And so it's really personal, not only as a milestone, you know, to have written that, but to also just kind of believe in myself again. multiple identities in our life, right? Like you are a child, you are a father, you are a brother, a sister, insert now and here, right? And so like when you become something brand new in such a major way, it's kind of like, oh, I have to re- rediscover all the old parts of myself or all my former identities and figure out how they fit together. And so postpartum for me, it wasn't so much depression. It was a lot of anxiety and like pressure, you know, to kind of Perform to get back to you know to do all of the things at a hundred percent and you know That's just not super realistic every every day. And so that's probably the biggest bout that I've personally had Um, But I know a lot of people and love a lot of people that struggle with that and And if they're in the in the rise or the ascent of their career it can be kind of muted, but the moment that, that something happens as a setback, everything comes kind of flooding back in. So I'm very familiar with how that affects people and you know, kind of personally have, have touched in the you know, an anxiety space um, and struggle with that, I would say, pretty regularly.
0: Daddy is a daddy. So he has, obviously, he has a kid if he's a daddy. I have two kids. And so we both, we both, when our wives were having kids, we know, we know the sheer power Of of postpartum of what of what pregnancy can do to to a woman. It is oh my gosh, that (laughs) like me both Brendan and I, we've been through some dark stuff, but nothing, nothing came close to to what we went through when our wives were pregnant. Can you agree with that, Brendan?
2: Yeah, just like it really messes with the person's emotions
1: and hormones are so real. They're really powerful. It's disturbing. Um and then, you know, afterward, it's just like Oh, cool! I had this adorable baby, but I'm still really fat. <laughs> and, and like, if you care at all about, like, you know, what you used to look like or this this former version of yourself, that alone is enough to throw a curveball at somebody and be like, "Hey, bet you didn't want this extra forty pounds." <laughs> Boom! For me, it was just kind of like I needed to sit down and write. Um, it's always been about lyrics for me, so like. Coming back to something that you know, I could feel. I was also reading a lot of fantasy books nice. my postpartum. I'm not sure if you're familiar with. Um, do you guys? Are you guys in fantasy stuff?
0: I love fantasy oh. stuff. Dude. Yeah.
1: <laughs> are you familiar with Name of the Wind? Never. I want to though. So the author's name is Patrick Rothfuss, and um, actually, this whole the whole song Wander On was based on having read like some of the chronicles of, of his fantasy books. All of that kind of came together after, after I had my daughter and I was able to write this song. And you know, Chloe and I um, had this, we'd already done a collaboration. And so coming back around to the second one, you know, I was able to just kind of come back to her and say, hey, I have some lyrics. Are you writing in any keys lately? And you know, like, how are you kind of, what tempos are you writing in? And so I just kind of, I don't know if anyone knows this, but the, the original was actually an all acoustic piano version that she kind of put her magic on
0: you found inspiration to create that song with Chloe. So is that a huge source of inspiration for you is fantasy type things like content that you, that you partake of, whether it's reading or whatever. And and that kind of helps inspire you to create something new. Is that, is that pretty common?
1: I would say it's like in the mix at a healthy rate, like a percentage, you know, if I were to break down like all my sources of inspiration, Mm -hmm. um, it's definitely like, Oh, I'm really moved by the way that, this this line was written in this book or like I highlighted this and I, it stuck with me, you know, sometimes that happens. Mm. And then other times I will just be on a walk outside. I think a lot of times nature is a, a big inspiration source for me, just even, even park nature. Like it doesn't have to be, you know, Patagonia nature, although that is amazing. Just getting outside and like moving my body sometimes kind of opens up my mind to think about things. Um, and then you know i'll i'll do a lot of journaling um less so these days i've been trying to get back into it but i have like dozens of well i would say probably a dozen journals that are like end-to-end full since i was like 16 and started journaling and so it's just one of those things that sometimes i'll go back and i'll look at something and i'm like oh man like i that line, you know, and then you can build a whole song around a line. So, or a theme or something that kind of, you know, you gravitate toward, but I would say fantasy has been more informative, like in the last probably few years, cause I've just been super into it, but like lyrically comes from everywhere.
0: My wife very recently just got me a Nintendo switch and to Brendan's uh, suggestion, I got Zelda. Oh my gosh. What that has done for me is just,
1: <laughs> yeah. Is it awesome? Oh my
0: Like I wake up at 5 AM every morning, but like now that I'm playing that I'm like do I need to wake up that early can I stay up so much later and just play this all night but yeah anyways it has done so much for me it has helped me so much so yeah that, that, that was fantastic that was a great answer have Back you ever been evil, asked you know, to
2: compromise your personal values or do something uncomfortable, okay. uncomfortable in the music sphere and how did you respond seems to me like you have like a personal code um, I know that you have Jesse Breda works with you a lot and I know he's very uh, he has a set of beliefs I, I love Jesse for sure um, yeah. So what about you? Have you ever been asked to do anything comfortable? You don't have to say any specific circumstances, but I'm just curious, how did you respond if that ever happened to you?
1: As a vocalist, as a performer, and especially in this industry, um, I don't want to sound like I'm on a soapbox here because I'm sure so a, heavy, it up. Do it. <laughs> a heavy portion of your listeners are probably male. Um, but as a, as a woman in this scene, it's also really challenging. Vocalists in general kind of get you know, it's a feature. Um, I have to fight for um, for royalty splits sometimes. And depending on who the producer has, you know, if they have a big following or who the producer is, like I, I've been kind of pigeonholed into accepting something that I wasn't quite happy with, you know, or I give feedback and it doesn't really get taken. So there have been a lot of challenges. I think just being a female vocalist in electronic dance music in a time where, there was just this like golden era of like, this is how we do things. And I I had to really push boundaries and be atypical in that way, I guess, to, to say like, actually, this is how I want it done. And so that's just kind of been like, fight for what you believe in, you know, your code or whatever. I've been pushed to change lyrics or, you know, change the certain notes and things like that. That's kind of like, okay, if you wanted it that specific, like, why didn't you just give me the vocal to sing? <laughs> um, so that's kind of annoying. And then one time... Um, long, long time ago. I won't name names, but I was asked to lip sync and that was really, really hard and horrible. And I did it once and I, I never did it again because I was so kind of like traumatized by how fake it felt. Being totally vulnerable, that's like probably the hardest thing that I've ever had to do um, as an artist is to just say, you know, I'm going to walk away from this and I'm not going to do it.
0: You know, you are not the first person to say that about like about singers, and about lyricists and stuff like that. And that is incredibly unfortunate. Like I I can't understand why. Because I remember when I was interviewing Laura Brem. You know who Laura Brem is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So vocal is very similar to, to to your space and everything. And I remember her telling me the exact same thing that you were saying that people took advantage of her because she was the lyricist, because she was the songwriter, and it was it was like she was lesser than the producer. She was lesser than whoever she was working with. And I was like, Do you know like a real world example? of that like if we if, if it was any other situation this would be one of the messed up situations ever. If we were to take this what you're talking about right now and put it into a real world example, it would be the equivalent of people coming to mine and Kylie's wedding and the invite said, Well come to Wyatt's wedding featuring Kylie. That's what it would be like <laughs> and it it is just are you serious like i mean are we are we on the same path
1: i think so i i mean and there are so many different forms of collaborations right like i i have been handed a song and and have been told like write something to this you know i've been handed a song with kind of like backing sample vocals in it that i wasn't sure like should i write around these words should i I, am <laughs> so, um, so there, I, I do like, I have so many crazy stories, but yeah, like if, if you knew some of the things that I was handed, like some of them are just kind of, you know, transactional as the way that I would put it. But, um, others are very much a collaboration between two people. And, you know, like for, for example, me and Chloe, when we work together, like she, she will, you know, tell me certain keys that she's writing in, I'll write a piano to that. Like she'll come back with a, you know, some beats and like we'll just go back and forth for months on on a song. And it's it's really rewarding to work with someone like that because you know she's truly interested and and your perspective as an artist. And so that's, you know, that's the other side of the spectrum. And that's the, that's where you really strive to be.
0: Anyone who doesn't know who we're talking about with Chloe, that's Clozy. just, just so you know, but yeah, Chloe's her first name.
2: Um, When you're working with producers, are there any things that we should look out for when uh, working with someone to show you respect and to make it a good experience for you? Is there anything that we should look out for that we should do that you appreciate when a producer does? And are there things that you think that we may not realize we're doing wrong uh, that could potentially make it uh, uncomfortable for you?
1: Well, yeah, I've got a laundry list, so I'll see how, <laughs> see how long I can go here. But um, and it's going to depend on who you're working with, right? So when I was when I was brand new into I guess recording artist space, and I had just really done and like live, live shows and singer-songwriter stuff in the, in the past, I didn't know what kind of presets to put on my vocals. I didn't know, you know, that I liked it a certain way or, you know, the kind of the nuances that you learn after doing it for a while. But here are some things that as a vocalist, I am really, really picky about. I don't like breaths to be extra um, emphasized in a recording. And I, I'm sure that's probably somewhat subjective, but like if you have kind of an amateur producer that's not even thinking about that, like I will do my best to take out really big gaping breaths in my own you know, stems that I send. But as a producer, if you put an effect on a tiny breath that makes it go like, ah! something crazy, like in the mix, it's very distracting as a vocalist to hear that. I just, am super aware of like the breath edits and like the attention to breath whenever you're working with a vocal. Any other presets around EQ? Most of the time, again, they will give the stems to you that way. So if you're going to kind of go before that, before you actually start working with the stems, if you're going to ask a vocalist to work with you, it's always helpful to have a short you know, demo pack of, you know, two to three different concepts, even if they're just like 45 seconds long to, you know, to shop and say like, this is a starting point. If you are really interested in working with someone who's experienced, you can ask them what keys they typically like to write in because every vocalist has a range and that range is not the same from an alto to a metal or a soprano. And so, and I'm not even talking about tenors and, you know, male vocalists, but we all know where our sweet spot is. And so that's a, you know, if you're going to start from the ground up, that's a good question. And then, you know, if you have a concept for a song that you want someone to write to as more of like a top line style, as a vocalist and a songwriter, I always want to know... What inspired you to write the music? I don't, I mean, it's a great that you give me this song, you tell me it's in the key of A minor and it's 127 BPM or 128, right? Whatever, but like. If you've named it something like Dubstep 130, you know, like not an actual artistic name, or if you've given it some obscure title, like when I work with Austin, uh, AU5, like <laughs> his, his titles are always so amazing. Um, and, you know, sometimes I try to map my theme to his title, or to the to the title that I get, but other times, like I, I can't necessarily, especially if it's something a little bit more kind of generic. And so, like, I want to know, like, were you feeling hyped up to go play out? Like, did you envision this being, you know, like a solitary listening song? Any kind of context that that the producer can give to the the top line vocal and and the songwriter is super helpful. So. I don't know if you've heard those before. I'm sure it was probably more than you asked for, but like those are some things that come to mind that I always want.
0: Speaking about your songs and and specific songs that you've that you've wrote in the past, I have some questions about some of my favorite songs of yours. Would you feel comfortable going into more detail about certain lyrics? Would that be all right?
1: Yeah, totally.
0: Awesome. So the very first one, Shock Diamond, A Five. Austin's one one of our best friends. He's, he's such a good guy. Um, but in in that song, when you're talking about howling into the moon, tell me about that. I mean, like, what what's going on there? Because it's very, it's very, you know, open-ended. Like, a lot of people can be like, oh, is a wolf howling to the moon? Is it, you know, is it, is it symbolic? Is it, what's going on there?
1: So when he sent me that song, it was already called Shock Diamond. Nice. And so I was like, Okay, and I asked him like what is a shock diamond and then he went into this big long explanation. Of, of course,
0: as as Austin does, yeah.
1: The 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 triangles on the fighter planes that, you know, <laughs> absorb the shock from anyway, and I was like, okay. Well, cool. That's not what I was thinking. So Here's what I'm thinking when I listen to your song. And so I, I imagine myself like when, in all of Austin's demos that he sent me, I ha- I just close my eyes and kind of let the music take me where I imagine like the scene to be. And then I write about the scene. So with Shock Diamond, I was thinking about when I met my husband, um, we would take these amazing nighttime bike rides and we would go all over Austin, it was springtime and we would put this huge Bluetooth speaker on my bike and it was our beats and we would just like blast music and we would put like monkey lights on our bikes and like we went all over, do social rides and everything. And so it was just such an amazing feeling that like when I heard Shock Diamond... I was kind of transported back into like a nighttime bike ride, weave in and out of you, but I know that you're there. You know, there's just a lot of like very tender moments in in those sections of the song that allow for it, but like, what ultimately i remember loving so much about those is that like it's this release like riding a bike is like being a little kid right like you just you come back to this place in yourself that is is very pure and elemental and when you are an adult having that release is like the hell at the moon comes from that like um i need my occasional Howl at the moon. Life like catches up with you, and at the end of the day, like I just want to like play my beats, turn on my monkey lights, and go on a bike ride with my husband. And so that's kind of where the inspiration for the song came from. And and howling at the moon is like my just my symbol of like when you when you feel that release and um, you can just be totally like raw and loud.
0: So the next song, which was actually the very first song I've ever heard of you, was uh, Painted White. It was uh, with you and Elenium and Set the Sky. <laughs> Really got me was was kind of like the the quintessential line in there is uh our side of the story is painted white. I have my explanation of what I think that is, but I really want to know what does that mean to you.
1: And I love that everyone can have their own meaning of what that is because um, for me, I feel like if people really knew a lot of what I write songs about, they might just be super depressed all the time. <laughs> um, for me, that whole song is inspired by the way that we treat each other as people and how beautiful and hideous it can be at the same time and how self-righteous we are in our choices. If you think about the violence we inflict on each other, everyone is always right in their own mind, even if they're, even if they know they're wrong, like they rationalize it and they do it anyway. Our side of the story is painted white is kind of a collective self-righteousness or like, you know, a perceived innocence of self when we make our choices and no matter how they impact other people. And so, um, that's kind of where I was writing from, you know, my, my friend was like, Oh, I thought it was about getting married. (laughs) So I was like, okay, good. I'm glad that like, in
0: in this context of what you're saying is when you paint something white, is that like, you've, you've done something wrong, so to say, but you're, you're justifying it, you're covering it up you're painting it white. Is that, is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah, I mean, essentially, like to to paint something white, it was also kind of like this notion of like a surrender, a surrender flag. Like, surrender color is white. Um, a lot of times, innocence is kind of perceived in white tones, um, and so yeah, our side of the story is painted white because um, the true, you know, you know, the true colors might not be as as um, as innocent. So, oh I mean, it's, it's a bit of a, an abstract concept, but. You know, that's kind of where I was coming from. And our side of the story is painted white is, is lar- largely just a, a perceived self-righteousness in, in our actions. and interactions. Um, and, you know, to recognize that as what it is um, and and not to try to just say we're always right and always innocent, I think is kind of where I was going because the the song itself has a lot of dichot- dichotomy in it where you've got these beautiful strings and like these breakdowns that are just like really ethereal, um, and then you've got these dissonant, very percussive dubstep chops, you know, that um, that, frankly, I think a lot of people, when they listen to it, are not expecting to oh. hear. Uh, I couldn't ignore those, those topically for the song. Um, I needed to, I felt like I needed to write something that would kind of illustrate that, like, there's conflict, and and there's pain, you know, even, even if we are beautiful, and even if We've got this glorious energy, like we can't ignore the dark side of ourselves.
0: I was totally off. I mean, I I, I definitely wasn't like your friend and thought it was about a wedding. And no, I was totally off because what I thought was that like there's this big, tragic, traumatizing event, but the the the, the people that caused that, I and mean, then you're you're the victim, you're the person that it happened to, but the people that caused that. Um, they're they're, they're kind of shutting you down. They're, they're painting your story white, right? They're just covering it up, you know, almost like a whiteout. They're just kind of like ignoring what's going on, on on your side. They're just forgetting about it. And so it's so cool. It's so cool to see the different interpretations, so to say, and what it, what, what it can mean to someone. This is great. This is fantastic.
1: Oh, good. Yeah, we can talk about more songs.
0: Absolutely. And the other one I got for you is with Free Fall. I'm only alive in the free fall. And, and I actually say this line, just like, whenever me and my wife are just in the car, we're you know like we just driving. And you know, like when you, when you, when you have a spouse and you're driving, you don't have the need to talk all the time. And so you can go like 30 minutes without even saying anything. And just out of nowhere, I'll ask her, and I'll be like, do you only feel alive in the free fall? And she has no idea what I'm talking about. She's never listened to the song. She has no idea what's going on. And so, like, I want you to know, like, this is one of my favorite songs and clock vice's remix of this song is probably one of the best remixes it's so good
1: so beautiful and clicky and grindy and it's just so like macabre and wonderful i love it
0: so good so good but tell me about it i mean are you only alive in the free fall and what does that mean to you
1: so free fall was another one of the songs that i just kind of like let myself be transported and um i journaled about this and i traveled like while i was writing that song and i i imagined this ravey carnival Mm. (laughs) where you have these rides and like so and it's just kind of this place where like come one come all to the free fall you know it's like I, the free fall was actually like the big ride at the carnival that I was like imagining in my mind and shining faces lining up everybody's filled with hope and disbelief you know like how could something so broken like and when and when you know when you're writing a song like you can't be too literal so it's like When you think about, you know, the joy of like carnival rides when you're a kid, like they're old machines that, you know, you're like, I was also kind of symbolizing this as, uh, as this kind of quest for, for energy and quest for fulfillment and all this other stuff so you kind of wrap in more meaning something so broken take us up beyond the reach of gravity so i'm only alive in the free fall really just comes back to that moment where the if you're at the top you know like every second building up until we come back down like tears on this brave new world like when you reach the top of a roller coaster that stomach just like flies into your mouth and your heart and like That feeling, while not sustainable as an adult, was like one of my favorite feelings growing up. And so like, it's just this pure like adrenaline rush. I was literally thinking about rides and roller coasters and these things that I imagined, you know, calling the free fall when I wrote that song.
2: Is there something that you wanted to write a song about but haven't yet? And what is that?
1: You know, something that I've been talking to my brother about lately, (laughs) because I don't know about y'all, but once you do something over and over and over and I mean, you have to grow, you have to change. Um, and so part of me is like, I, I, I want to stay in electronic music in some capacity, but I would love to write, you know, kind of political punk music. <laughs> like I would love to embrace that I am an idealistic person and that like, and I don't really feel like I can truly be as gritty or as somber as I want to be. Sometimes I want to write about the environment. I want to write about how I feel about big, big feelings and issues in in the world. And like, sometimes I don't think that, that I'm in the best space to, to do that uh, without sounding kind of over Really cheesy, and so you
0: know that's a, that's a really interesting concept that you're that you're talking about because I've I've been thinking about that, but I've never been able to put it into words because like I've been heavy into hip hop ever since I was as small as my son that was here, right? I've all like
1: you were a lowercase G, yeah, like, yeah, right? exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and as we know, you know, like hip hop, they're all about you know social problems and 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 whatnot. And so what I've found is exactly what you're talking about. As the more and more I've gotten, I've gotten into electronic music, it seems. I don't I don't know if this is true or not but like it seems the more I get into electronic music the more my lyrics have to be vague or not as descriptive it's hard to tell an exact story where if you listen to someone like NF his stuff, like it is exact. Like, Very
1: specific. You know exactly what he's talking about.
0: Exactly. And so like, is, is there a way to get both? Can you have both? Can you do electronic music and have those type of lyrics? Is it possible?
1: When I write with AU5, for example, I do feel more comfortable being the you know the kind of the unedited voice or the lyrics that that are not necessarily as filtered down to you know try to overly romanticize or sexualize or like make it about love because it's not like I love is important but it's it's not the only thing I think about and um so it really bothers me to try it and like you know, shove everything into that framework just so that, you know, it can show up on some trans 2019 remix collection. Mm-hmm. When I write with, you know, some of the more kind of base heavy producers and things like that, I am able to explore some of those lyrics and concepts that are not, they're not as, as bright and, and, you know, sometimes are a little bit more nuanced. But yeah, I don't, I don't know that like EDM in the way that it's shaped today, I, I personally haven't found that like that great medium of of being able to like talk about social issues without making it also a party, if that makes sense.
0: There's gotta be a way though. There has to be.
1: Ah. I know, I know. So in my sample pack, if you go buy this on Spice, um, there's a song called Borrowing, and it's the only song that I think I've ever written and and put out in some format. It's about the environment. You probably would never know that. That's the only time I've ever actually released something that's you know remotely, cause or issue related.
0: We are going to check that out. I promise the minute that it pops up on Splice, we're all we're all just gonna it's gonna be a free fall. I'm gonna
2: buy it twice. (laughs) I'm gonna buy it twice. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna get another account and I'm gonna I'm gonna buy it. (laughs) Sweet. If you could be asked any question in, in an interview, what would that question be and what would your answer be?
1: As a performer, you know, it's not every day that you get to you have opportunities like I've had and tour of the world and you know, I know that I'm not doing that like right this second, but those things never leave me and so like I feel like you asked for the most embarrassing thing is like maybe you could ask someone like what their their best their best memory of performance or their best show, like what made that unique and why was it the best, um, would probably be a good question to ask people. Good, okay. So, yeah.
2: (laughs) What is the answer to that then?
1: Probably most memorable was the tritonal Arab There 100 episode and performance at Emo's that we sold out. It was just really fun and interactive. Like I was, I don't know if you ever listened to that podcast. At the beginning of their old show, they used to have this like flight attendant that was getting you ready to, you know, go up into the air up there. And like I did the live voiceover um, and then we did you know Still With Me and some of these really great songs and it was just such a it was such a feel-good type of reunion and kind of almost uh, finale in, in in that way for us um, just because like we both decided that we wanted to do other things but that was probably one of my favorite shows and then the, the reason I say it was a toss-up is because when I was in Hawaii like that whole trip was so baller that like Even though the show was the show was awesome too, but like the trip itself was just so memorable and amazing. And so like, I would say like of all the opportunities that I've had in music, the ability to travel and sing for people, um, just it never gets old. And I I love every show, and I love it even more when I can go somewhere new and see something I've never seen before.
0: Final final question that we got for you is: Did you have a good time?
1: I had a great time. Thank you. Great time, Brendan. Did you have fun? I
0: had fun, Brendan. Did you have fun? I had a blast.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you get to do this for your work? This is like, what we yeah. do. I, I <laughs> no, know. that's amazing. That's amazing. I'm glad. I'm so glad you guys are doing this. It's it's just really, it's important for us to all talk and get to know each other in a way that we don't over email and SoundCloud and stuff like that. So Absolutely. thanks for having me.
0: Hey, Daw Nation. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Behind the Daw with Christina Soto. If you did, please like, comment, subscribe, repost, you know, whatever is appropriate on the particular platform that you're listening on, like iTunes, Spotify, Google, Play, Deezer, YouTube, wherever you're at just helps us know that we're moving in the direction that you need us to. Also, if you're interested in the Patreon and giving suggestions for people to come on the show in private lessons to get a free consultation in social media marketing or for the Christina Soto sample pack that she put out through Black Octopus, go ahead. The links are in the description. Check those out. And then finally, make sure to check out the social media marketing consultation. It is the episode that's going to be right after this. It's going to come out the Monday after this episode. And I'd highly encourage you to check out the last episode of Behind the Daw. That episode of Behind the Daw was with another singer, Kara, walking away from the information that you learned from this episode and that episode. It's just going to give you a new perspective. It's going to help you along your journey, especially going into this new year. So Daw Nation, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Behind the Daw, and we'll catch you next time.